0: You're listening to The New Paris. It's been almost a week since the fire at Notre Dame, which will become yet another sad event in Paris that reminds all of us of life's impermanence. I was at home working when a text message from my friend came in. Actually, it was a screenshot of a tweet. And like every time there was an incident somewhere around the world breaking news, I went straight to Twitter, where I followed today's guest, France 24 journalist Charlie James, who was reporting live from Notre Dame. She joins me today to talk about far more than the fire, but let's first have a listen to a clip from her coverage.
1: Let's cross live to France 24's uh, Charlie James. Charlie, tell us where you are. Francois, I am just on the north side of the cathedral, and I can say it is never going to be the same. I am watching now as the flames have almost reached the top of the steeple. As parts of the roof collapse, people are gasping, holding their hands over their face, a ton of emotion.
0: Charlie, thanks for joining me.
1: Hi there, Lindsay.
0: What was it like for you to be covering such a calamity and, and how did you keep your composure? Because there's a lot happening at once. So this was the first really big news event like this that's happened since I moved here
1: about two years ago. And it's rare that you're going to be on the scene that soon. So sometimes if there's a big event or a protest, something like that, we'll know ahead of time that it's coming so news crews can be there. Something like this where it's entirely spontaneous. For me this time, it was really just I happened to be close by, heard it. You know, I always carry my press pass and an extra charger just in case for moments like this. So I just, when I saw it first on my phone, a same friend started sending me pictures and then I got the news alert from France 24. I just put my shoes on, left my dinner on the table <laughs> and literally ran there. Um, I was lucky that I got there within about a half an hour from when, when the fire broke out. So I was still able to get on the island, which I think I just barely hit that cutoff. And... Within 10 minutes of getting there, I was on air for France 24, and we were one of the first to have actual coverage from the scene, Um, and it was actually a a pretty big moment for us uh, as a French um, TV station. Mm -hmm. I think people kind of learned a lot about France 24 during the terror attacks from a few years ago, and so a lot of people think of us. Um Now, when big events happen uh, in France, uh, for me, you know when you're when you're covering an event like this, it sounds cliche, but you kind of just go into a trance, the zone mm-hmm. because you can't really be thinking about your own emotions at that point. It's my job to try to stay calm, try to explain as much as I can. I'm looking, and this comes from experience, but I'm looking at every little thing that I can describe to tell people what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it smells like, how people around me are reacting, just to give a sense of the scene. And it wasn't really until I got home that I felt this kind of huge wave of sadness Mm. myself for, because to see something like that, I mean, I live close to Notre Dame, I pass it to go to the metro station to go to work. So I've probably walked by it hundreds of times since I moved here. And actually, I remembered a conversation that I had with my husband just the week before we were walking by and we saw all the scaffolding and the work that was going mm. on. And we had a conversation about the renovations underway and how there's not enough money coming in, what the government is trying to do to get money from private businesses. And this was something I actually drew on when I was on air to talk about. So it was in a way bizarre that just so many things lined up to for me to be there kind of just in the right place at the right, at the right time um, but it was emotional for me as well as someone who lives here of course it's invaluable obviously for me being a local who knows that area to be able to explain um, where I am and what this means as opposed to a foreign journalist coming in um, but it was also emotional just to see such a beloved monument I mean, I was right in front of it when I first got there. And to see just the amount of smoke and the flames, there's one video I took on my phone right when I got there where I listened back and I heard myself in French because I was talking to the Uh police in French saying, c'est terrible, like, oh my God. And listening back to that, I was like, wow, I was really emotional myself covering Mm. this. Um, But you have to try to keep your cool and just provide as much information for the people who aren't that close and And are
0: watching from around the world. I mean, it did look and feel kind of like the end of the world. It felt like a bigger universal symbol for the times we're living in. Um, And we won't – I think this is going to have to be a a whole other episode, which you can come back for because, um, you know, now there's all the backlash that has begun. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what does it mean to funnel so much money into – into saving this thing now. Right? Why are
1: people so upset about a building and, and not, not so upset human when suffering? Right. No one died. This is a whole conversation and then there's the whole conversation around, you know, modernizing or trying to recreate the past and that's a big debate
0: happening right now as well. And what's fascinating, I mean, I I definitely looked to to France 24 as I typically do in in times of local events because, you know, you have that on the ground insider and deep understanding of of the you know of the context. um and then just this morning, I read a story on the New york Times um that spoke to the person who was in charge of i guess it was fire prevention or, you know, sort of making sure that they had a um a process in place in case a fire broke out. And, you know, it doesn't look like it was the right strat obviously, it wasn't the right strategy, but also, you know, foreign firefighters and and foreign architects are commenting on this now saying you know it was a it was a grave error to have thought that you know it, the fire wouldn't have spread so quickly you know well
1: and part of the problem was that the renovations had been put off so long if they had started this and been able to start this and had the funds two years ago it wouldn't have been as as able to spread as quickly um it might have been prevented and it's it's a weird irony that the government and the church has been trying to get the money to do this upkeep for years now and it took it lighting on fire and almost burning down to now be able to get the funds
0: to do it well, there's a there's a, there's a press and communication element to all of this now too. So the companies see, you know, look, we're going to come in and save the day. Looks good for them. But anyway, that's a that's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, what I really wanted to talk about, um, you know, even before this this fire broke out, because this was not the intended start to our discussion, um, was really about work culture and navigating working in in, in Paris um, as someone who is still working on French um and and you and I both get these questions a lot uh from readers and followers um because you also have a website which I'll get to as well um about how easy it is to just up and move and work in Paris and certainly you know that extends to the rest of France when we don't when you only speak English. So first, before that, I, you know, you've been, you just said you've been at France 24 for nearly two years now. About a year
1: and a half. I moved here about two, year, two years Okay. Ago. All
0: right. So a year and a half. Um, but you were working in television news in New York for years. Over a decade. Over yeah. a decade. So how do the two experiences compare? And, you know, what are those work cultures like?
1: So I do work in English. My work is in English, but the the office, France Media Monde, is a very French company. So that was a big uh, kind of adjustment to make with the French work culture. Um, and French is still the language of the office. Uh, so while my output is in English for meetings, even just tech support, the canteen, all that stuff, it's it's all in French. So especially when I first started, and I had only been here for a matter of months, Yeah, It was kind of a sheer terror every time I went into work because I was like, what am I going to have to navigate uh, this time? Um, How am I going to express what I need to? How am I going to get my, you know, my computer password reset? Right, all (laughs) of those. like that. Um, But, yeah, there was some cultural adjustment to be made just with the work culture in the office. I think Americans... You know, we tend to make our coworkers our best friends. Mm-hmm. There's kind of this open book policy where, you know, you know everything about people's kids and their pets. And um, that is not the case at all. Uh, and that's not something that they do in the, you know, HR welcome packet here in France. They're like, by the way, as an American, you might want to tone it down a bit. Like, that's not <laughs> something. Or by the way, you might uh, find veal kidneys in the oh. canteen and accidentally eat them. <laughs> uh, are you speaking from experience? Yes. There. <laughs> yes. And then I say something to my colleagues like, um, oh, this is bizarre. Feel kidneys? And they're like, actually, Charlie, people, our kids in school, in French school, eat feel kidneys.
0: So you shouldn't be weird about it.
1: And I'm like, oh, I feel so dumb.
0: No, so every day is an education, basically. <laughs> every day is yeah. an
1: education. But
0: you know, it's interesting what you say about, you know, the office being French, but the even, you know, regardless of what the output is. And, you know, I worked for in advertising for a few years and in an, in an, agency that's international, but the dominant language is French, even though all of my work and even the meetings with clients were in English. Right. Um, but you find, and you can tell me if you feel the same in, in, in this structure, but I, I did feel like if you do not have the ability to have full blown conversations with people in French, you're kind of missed, there's like always something you're missing and you're not fully integrating. Now, I don't know in the news world if that's the same, but I definitely felt like it It was a miracle that I was able to, you know, be super integrated in that they called me the, like the most French of the Americans, <laughs> right? Well, of course they have to slip in there that you're American, right? Yeah. They don't want you to forget <laughs> that. Um, but I felt like if I hadn't had that, it might've been a, a much more challenging experience.
1: As someone who didn't start really learning French in earnest until I moved here, and I'm in my 30s, so I, I mean, you started learning French when you were still in what middle school? High yeah, school? I was a
0: young, yeah, so young gal.
1: So obviously, the more French you can speak at the office, the better, the better you're going to be able to express yourself, the more you're going to be able to understand. Um, And when I do get questions about, uh, you know, how how is it possible to work with without perfect French, or if you only speak English, I tell people, even if you can get a job, which it's hard, it's possible um, that where you mostly speak English, you still need to learn as much French as possible. Otherwise, your life in the in the um, office is going to be pretty tough. Um, and you are going to miss stuff and you're going to feel dumb in meetings. Um, so while it is possible and we're seeing even big companies now, LVMH, L'Oreal, French companies that are more willing to hire people with minimal French skills, um, it's still not something where you can just trot in and right. expect to get a job. I think that it is opening up more with one, the tech scene booming here. Sure. And if you want to compete in Europe or globally, a lot of companies, they just operate in English. uh, Because if you have people coming from Asia, Germany, across all continents, everyone has to speak together. And the default ends up being English. Also, I think that the way social media has influenced advertising, there's a lot of jobs where um, companies want native English speakers to produce PR and social media. Mm. uh, Because that's kind of the dominant language of advertising online as well. And you see how many French companies and these French like influencers post
0: in English because they want a wider audience. And if you want that, you're going to do it. Absolutely. And I've also been the person who's been called to correct some of the wonky English (laughs) written by French people. So, you know, it is, you're absolutely right. It's, it's from the time that I started working here to now, I, Observe a huge shift. So interesting that you're, you mentioned these companies who are perhaps more willing to embrace, you know, workers who aren't so, so skilled at French. And so you have this website called Am I French Yet? Mm -hmm. Which is fantastic. And, you know, you're tackling a lot of the questions that we we get, whether we're on Instagram, whether we're on, whether we're just a person living in France. And, you know, you have people who learn you live in France and work in France and want to know, well, how can I do the same? (laughs) How, you you know, you just sort of explained that you think that things are changing and it is getting easier, but you still need to try.
1: Right. So I first started Am I French Yet because I couldn't find this information when I was moving here. I was looking for kind of realistic stories of moving to Paris, moving to France. There's a ton of content on there about style and food and lifestyle, and that's great. There's definitely an audience for that, but what someone's wearing is not going to help me get a visa. It's not what? going to help me in my immigration <laughs> meetings. It's not going to help me integrate. And I couldn't find this information in a realistic way that didn't make it sound like moving to Paris was all croissants and wine and picnics. Right. Right. So I wanted to start a site just with the information that I was looking for and kind of a reality check. Um, and once you know, I started getting a bigger audience and I would get a lot of questions about, especially once I started working, um, about... Can I get a job in English? Uh, how do I navigate the work culture there? Mm-hmm. and so some of my more popular articles are around these issues of um, just and I don't know if the questions come from fear of moving here and being stuck or if they come from laziness of like not really wanting to learn French
0: Well, to be honest, in my experience it's it's been it's both right I mean there are a lot of people who are disillusioned with wherever they're living. Um, Looking at you, America. Uh, And, you know, they want a sort of easy Mm. out. And Paris is beautiful. There are a lot of us living here. And so, you know, we're sharing our stories and our our lives online. And so they think, you know, well,
1: okay, they did it. And we're doing it in English for the most part.
0: Yeah. And so it seems like, you know, okay, there must be some point. There must be some Jumping point to 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 make this happen, right. but it's not so easy.
1: Well, I was shocked when I first moved here, and I did a summer intensive course with the Marie de Paris, the um, the city hall. They do mm. English uh, for English native speakers. Um, you can't miss a, a foreign class. language classes, and it was great. But I was so surprised how many people in there mostly Americans, not going to lie, who had lived here for years, five, six years or more, and were speaking French at the same level I was, having Mm -hmm. moved here a month or two ago. And this shocked me. But I quickly found out that it is entirely possible, not to encourage people, but it is possible to set up your life here where you – Work in English. You have English-speaking friends. Maybe you speak English at home with your partner, and you really only need to kind of rent a French to help you get a bank account. And things <laughs> rent, like rent, that. A rent a French. <laughs> it's it exists. These <laughs> agencies. I don't think this is a good idea. I think you're going to miss out a ton on the culture. And I mean, for me, because I'm married to a French person, a French man, yeah, yeah, in the club, (laughs) I'm I'm walking cliche, moved here for love, American girl meets French guy and moves to Paris. But uh, for me, it's important for me to be able to speak to my husband's friends, be able to speak to my husband's family, to be a real part of his world and learn about him as well. Because They're different. They're different. And I mean, my husband told me when he moved to New York, like it opened his eyes to see where I live and um, really integrate into my culture, my New York culture. And when I moved here and started understanding him more, I had a bizarre moment at one point where, you know, we're at a party with his friends and I'm seeing how he talks in French and even his voice is different and the way he makes jokes and he seemed more relaxed. And I had this bizarre moment of like, do I really know my
0: husband? <laughs> <laughs> Am I only getting half of him by like living with only the English side of him? But I mean, it's it's kind of true. We're We're all different when we speak different languages and... I'm terrified when I speak French. So, I'm, so you're just the I'm terrified sure. Charlie. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure my personality really comes out yet. It's still kind of utilitarian for me. Like sure. I'm getting what I need to get done. I rarely feel like myself. Um, for you, it's it's different. You. Yeah,
0: my case is a bit different um, because we also started our relationship in French. Right. Right. And I was like, my goal in life was to be... F- you know, to speak like a French person. Yeah. So I was like... To trick them. <laughs> to trick, yeah. I want you all to be bluffed. Um, but, but you know, that's not the the case for a, like the majority of, I think, people who move here. And then you have the people who are brought over with their jobs. And some mm-hmm. people are trailing spouses. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you're the one who's being sent by a company and the company provides language courses, you know, there is this sort of built-in motivation to learn, um, probably like you said, to make the work. Daily, mm-hmm. daily work life easier. But if you're also a trailing spouse, you don't have that same pressure, even if these resources are available to you. And so I too have met people, I remember years ago, I met people who have been here 35 years and like they kind of still needed help translating things.
1: Right, because you can just build your life around English. And I mean, I still speak English at home with my husband and this was something that I have grappled with and like feeling kind of guilty. And when people find out, French people find out, they always tell me, Oh what a shame like oh you have this built in teacher you really need to speak ing- or speak french at home it's going to change your life and it's it's more than it's more than that. There's an obvious impetus for speaking French at work, speaking French with my husband's friends and family. Sure. But we met in English. I spoke zero French when we met, and then we lived in the United States. And it's bizarre to switch languages with someone. I wrote about this on the blog, and I think it kind of struck a chord with a lot of the expats here. Um, and I got. A lot of advice on how to make the switch, as, <laughs> as it became kind of known in the comments. Um, and it it does involve just a period of at least a few months of feeling
0: very awkward. It is. It is. I mean, I it, we spoke French for so long together. And then as I was working in very French environments and spending a lot of my day actually in meetings all in French, I would come home and I'd be like, yo, I need to...
1: Yeah. You, I need, need to express break. myself in English. You need a break sometimes too. Like when I'm out just using French to navigate my daily life and my head is spinning, I just want to come home and talk to my husband. I don't right. want it to feel like work. And I want to really feel like myself.
0: And you know he understands you because right. you started off that way. right? And
1: a lot of our history and jokes and are in English or Franklish.
0: Um, I, I don't think there's a, a right or a wrong. I think you, the fact that you're even considering... A shift at all (laughs) or maybe trying to find you know like okay maybe one day a week we do it you know in in all french or or whatever it is whatever that dynamic becomes you're already expressing i think the right attitude
1: but for me and i'm not sure if this is widespread like i do have guilt around mm-hmm. living here and not speaking perfect French and subjecting French people to hearing my language skills. No. <laughs> but most people, I've only had one incident where I can think of where someone really got in my face and was like, just speak English, your French is terrible. <gasps> and I've lived here for almost two years. So I don't believe this cliche, this trope that you know French people hate you because you don't speak French. (laughs) And most of the time, they really are happy that you're trying. Um, And they don't care if you make little mistakes. Like I am a perfectionist, and I get really upset about making, you know, using the wrong verb tense, and I'll replay conversations in my head. But I mean, French people, in general, are just gonna be really happy that you made are making the effort because there's so many people who just walk up to them
0: and are like, um, hello, where's the metro? Right. I mean, at the very least, get the salutations. Right. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting, because we're talking about, you know, some industries where this is perhaps more common and in the food and beverage space, you know, you and I have been to cafes where the owners don't speak French at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of baffles, I mean... I, I'm always stunned because I'm like, how did you navigate right. the That's red tape opening this business in the first
1: place? I have a friend who's trying to open a business right now, and just the amount of yeah red tape and bureaucracy, and how many different agencies you have to deal with. I'm like, how did you ever get a lease? There must be some company that is helping. There's the rent right? a French, right? <laughs> rent a French for business. Ah. Uh, but I think. In restaurants are also in that, a lot of time, touristy space, depending on what neighborhood you're into. Uh, and I think that if, you know, if your food, if your coffee, if your pastries are good enough, people overlook it also.
0: Well, there's that. And there's also just the embrace of different styles of cooking now. And so if you'd rather have someone who's, you know, Mexican doing Mexican food and you know, be able to, to feel like there's, there's, and I hate the word authenticity, but you know, there is some level of, of deep cultural knowledge coming into this business because of the person who's running it. And if they are still working on their French, okay, so be it. If their Mm -hmm. food is good, that's all that matters. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's more forgiving.
1: Well, and press a lot of it. I mean, you know, you write for a lot of these publications if you can speak English well, you're not really at a huge disadvantage, maybe a little bit in the French press. But mm-hmm. even there, I think that people will facilitate
0: if they if they really want your story. Of course. And I just think overall, it's more accepting. But there are some industries where it probably is a little bit harder. You know, my husband who works in aviation and engineering, mm-hmm. you know, a very French company, even if the like official documentation is in English, that doesn't mean they speak it super well right i think that if you
1: work if you want to work for a company that is really france focused it's going to be nearly impossible if yeah. you if you don't speak french very very well um if you are i have some tips in um, this article on, yeah do do, on do, do share <laughs> some of these <laughs> the tips for finding english language were english language work in france but i think uh At least I'd say half of the people that I know here um, who speak English in their job, they transferred from their home company. Right. Uh, So from their home country and they transferred to the French office. That's a – an easier way to get in the door because they'll usually help you with your visa. Exactly, they're, They understand that you know the company culture already, so they're going to be a little more forgiving, um, help you often with language classes. So if you have a more long-term focus and you can think, okay, what are companies uh, in the U.S. or wherever you're, you're based that, uh, that have offices or a big presence in France and that I could potentially transfer and start working there, that's,
0: sometimes an easier route. Um, Because you also have to keep in mind that even if you do speak French very well, you have the issue of still needing a visa, right? Right. If you're coming from the US or you're coming from a country Mm -hmm. that is not part of the EU, it's not as simple. Right, and even at France
1: 24, there aren't that many Americans there because there's Brits and people from Ireland Mm -hmm. and other people in the EU who speak English extremely well. A lot of, on the English side, a lot of people have Uh, You know, one parent who comes from an English-speaking country and another from a French country. So they don't really need Americans that much. Uh, I mean, I have a work permit through my husband, um, through marriage, so I didn't have to face that hurdle. But if you need to find a company to also sponsor you on top
0: of not having
1: great French skills, that's like two mountains to climb. It's
0: two mountains and also even 12 years ago when I was looking for work here – they were not doing that so readily. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents were like, You're, you've you got this great skill. They're going to want you. And I'm like, "Um, other people speak English. <laughs> right. Let's stop pretending that America somehow right. is superior to everybody. Yeah.
1: Although I have found that a lot of companies, because I do some freelance work for, for other global con- uh, companies as well, and the American accent in Europe is seen as a little more neutral mm. than a British accent or an Irish accent. And so there is a bit of a market for that um, just because I think that – You know, if you're doing something for a European audience and you have a British accent, it can maybe people might have their own ideas about British people. Where American, it's a little more neutral. Um, But I, on that same topic, you know, industry is really important. If um, if you are trying to come here and work and you want to work in English, uh, there are some some industries that, you know, right now, technology, for example, uh, especially with Brexit has really boomed here. Um, And a lot of it operates in English. So the tech scene, and not even if you're, you know, you're a startup entrepreneur, but they all need, um, you know, also publicists and coders and people to work uh, in that vein. So there's actually special visas that Emmanuel Macron started for for the tech industry as well. So that's a... So if
0: you're not in tech, maybe consider it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> consider it. Uh, and then, of course, things like child care, English teachers, uh, even like housekeeping and things like that there's more of a a desire for English speakers retail tourism of course but and then I'd say PR marketing social media is the other kind of big bucket where there's a growing demand for people with perfect English because you can't have a global brand with some kind of like janky English (laughs) (laughs) But but it still means that you have to be able to get over here You have to be able to get over here and you need to be able to communicate. I have, I'm thinking of one friend in particular who works for a major French fashion brand and she still has to kind of argue and navigate for... How things are gonna be worded, because Mm. you still have French executives on the top who think that this is how, you know, English speakers should phrase things. And she has to battle to be like, like, no, this isn't how like I'm a native English speaker, this isn't how we talk.
0: So you and you need to be able to do that in French. If it's any consolation, all of this is very familiar (laughs) to, to me, to anybody who's worked in a company. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure I understand my language better than you understand my language. Thanks. Right. I, I know that what I'm proposing is correct. <laughs> Mansplaining
1: so, happens ma- in every language.
0: <laughs> oh God. But so you have all of this wealth of information on your site, am I French Yet? What is the 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 URL is am It's French Yet. Dot oh, Frenchyet.com. French Everybody can find this particular article about working in English among so many other jewels. Um, that should provide very, very useful to listeners. And if they,
1: realistic. That's realistic. She's to... not
0: going to sugarcoat it. If right. it's hard, it's hard. And she's going to tell you that. And I, I, for one, really appreciate it because I'm one of those people who kind of groans a little bit when I meet the person who hasn't made an effort after 30 mm-hmm. years of being here. But yes, it's possible, perhaps not recommended, to spend your whole life speaking English in France. What else do you have coming up? what 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 can people expect to see in the coming weeks on uh, am i French yet?
1: so actually, I am trying to take my language skills to the next step right now, uh, speaking of that because I would say i've I've kind of been coasting in the high intermediate mm-hmm. zone, which it's I think it's the hardest hump to get over uh, and this this idea that just by living here, you're going to pick up. Uh, advanced French by osmosis, right, right. Just by being around it and hearing <laughs> it is a complete lie. Don't listen to anybody who tells you <laughs> that. You do need to put in the work. So, I my French has gotten to the point where I'm fine in my daily life. You know, I can get through meetings. It's still sometimes a struggle, um, but I really want to take it. To the next level where I'm not so scared all the time um, of, you know, I have an event or a dinner party and I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to need some red wine. Uh, so I am working on a couple of articles about because for me as a journalist, I don't have a set nine to five. Five schedule. Right. So it's really hard for me to go to a class at the same time twice a week, even though I love classes. And I think that if you can do that for me, uh, it, it worked great, especially for in the beginning levels. Um, so I'm working on some articles about online learning, um, video learning, uh, podcasts, things like that, where it's also often cheaper and you can do it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is something that I will personally be going on. This, well, this is excellent, anyway, this, this is all ex- along.
0: This is truly excellent information, and, and hopefully I'm so I can make you proud, Lindsay. I'm already proud. You have such such good ideas and good advice, and you're you're doing the thing that I've wanted all people who live here to do, which is direct people in the right way. You know, when people ask questions, make sure you're not giving you know sending them down this path of false hope, mm. right? So you're being honest. That's key. Yeah, and that's my number one. That's my number one recommendation for
1: people who are like, what are your ma- big tips for moving to France? It's be realistic. Because if you are judging yourself off of the people you see online who started speaking fluent French in three months or got a job immediately, like that is not the reality for the vast majority of people. And you have to put in the hard work and you need to be, well, it's life here is glorious. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, but it's not all, you know, picnics and wine on the terrace people don't want to hear that though but it's but
0: they need to so you're doing not
1: like a movie so you need to be ready to put in the work uh, and hours and hours and hours of work and there will be breakdowns i have cried (laughs) hysterically on my couch multiple times (laughs) But uh, who hasn't? Yeah. But you resist the urge to book a ticket home.
0: So everybody, if you're if you're wondering about how to make all this possible for you, listen to Charlie James's recommendations, put in the hard work, be realistic, and find all this information at Frenchyet.com. Her site is am I French Yet, and you can catch her on France 24 multiple times a week. That's right. uh, Charlie, thanks so much for being here, and I hope you'll come back and tell us how you're doing in a few months' time. A bientôt.